Welcome to the Philo Sophia podcast. Join our hosts Trevor and Alfredo as they plumb the depths of philosophy, religion, science, and history. Learn with us and laugh with us here on Philo Sophia. Welcome to Philo Sophia. I'm Trevor, joined as always by my co-host Alfredo. Alfredo, how are you? Hi, Trevor. I'm doing well, man. How are you? Long time no here. Yeah, it's been a it's been a few weeks since we've as recorded. Usual. As, uh, yeah, I don't know if that's a good thing, but I think this uh we're uh I think we're do- we're going to get better. I think so someday. We're we're busy right now, man. I mean, everybody's yeah. everybody's yeah. busy, but Yeah. Are you getting any I miss you guys? Yeah, texts ca- or emails? Occasionally, not as many as I'd like. I'd like thousands cool. of, you know. Oh god. We miss no, you. <laughs> please no. Don't miss us that much. We're not that important. How was tennis? You just play tennis? I did. Uh, this is uh, two nights in a row, which is amazing. Nice, man. Do you go to Ford uh, Park or what? We start there. And then if all the six courts are taken, then we go to Bryn Mawr, which have two nice high quality courts. And if those are taken, then we go to another park at Loma Linda. And, yeah. I don't even know where so, Bryn Mawr is. It's a little city between. It's an actual city. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Between Redlands and, and Loma Linda, you know. Gotcha. It's gotcha. great. It's secluded. Yeah. So we found it. Um, did I just lose? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't know what's happening. Oh, Sorry. no. You got a oh, lose there connection. It there it is. It comes in and out. That's, that's. It, sa- it sounds good on my end. And I'm sitting next to my router this time. So I'm hoping it will be a little bit better Zoom quality. Than in the nice. office, which and is I in got the a new router. Oh, so it should it should be good. It should be one gig upload. Oh man, nice! If I was really smart, I would just plug my computer in with an Ethernet cable. But because I am on this MacBook, which has no um, ports of any kind, I can't. I'd have to get like an adapter or something. So I think it's good, dude. I've had a weird few days, man. I sent you a picture. I had about. Somewhere between one million and seven million bees move into my wall. I, I saw that. What what's up with that? It's uh I was teaching a night class and my wife started texting me like, Hey, there's bees in the house. I don't know what's going on. They're getting in through our chimneys. They were flying in through our two chimneys, our fireplaces. Like, huh. what? So she she looked outside and sure enough there's just like thousands and thousands of bees on our wall right next to our chimney coming in we we thought they were getting in through a little crack turns out they were getting in through a tiny little crack in our wall but okay. the ones that were coming through our fireplace were actually there was just such a huge swarm of bees they were flying down the chimney <laughs> so i i wasn't home so them out? <laughs> no well apparently smoke doesn't make them leave it just makes them like docile Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, that's why they spray that thing. Right? Yeah. And so, right. so my wife like taped up the two fireplaces. I didn't even think to text her to close like the flume of the, the chimney, you know, mm-hmm. which I guess I forgot to do. So it's my fault. But uh, anyway, so we were trying to find like a beekeeper guy, but my neighbor was kind of weirded out by all the bees because it's pretty close to where um, our houses are hard to explain, but basically this side of my house is right where they like hang out in their side yard. 
So, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. okay. So I sense some kind of anxiety from him and, and cause he has a kid and his wife's probably freaking out. So well, well, it's not like you were planning to have that there. No, no, no. I, I just felt like I had to address it at some point. And then my, <laughs> my wife's kind of nervous like, about it. Neighbor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I, everyone's like, well, just call Terminix. I'm like, oh, I feel bad. Like for the bees. Yeah, I can't. You're 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 supposed to get them like moved, you know. I I'm I'm right out there with you. I've saved so many from my pool. It actually makes me feel a little bit better. Especially a whole a, bee. a whole yeah. hive like one bee. Okay, well, you had a thousands. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. just wipe out like the this collective. I you know. You. So what did you do? So I did. I was like oh, to pacify my wife, my mother in law, my neighbor. Oh, my stepmom, everyone's like, you just got to kill him. I was like, I'll get a quote. I'm not saying I'm going to do it. I'll get a quote, and then I'll spend the next few days trying to find someone to, to pick him up. I found one guy in town, but all his reviews were like, he just comes out and kills him <laughs> and says he it says he relocated. <laughs> two, two star. <laughs> yeah, two star. It was seriously on Yelp, like one star, one star, one star. Oh, like man. Brian said they were Africanized, so he had to kill him. And then the next one was like, he told me he was taking them to his farm, but then I caught him spraying them all with poison. <laughs> so I was like, wow, okay, oh, so that's man. bad. So my wife knew someone who's a beekeeper at an old job in Orange County. And I guess okay. I guess he's in like a group on Facebook and he found somebody out here who's got a... F- Everyone I called was not interested, like all the local beekeepers. No way. And so this guy was, and he's got a oh. farm in town. Okay. He came out. He and the Terminix guy showed up at the same time. I felt a little judged, to be honest. <laughs> so so you actually called and for them to come to Terminix, that, that is. They were supposed to come at different times, but the Terminix guy was late. Oh, nice. And Sounds s- like a home health. Home health <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so he, like, I could tell felt awkward, too, so he got out of there quick. Yeah. He was like, 500 oh. to spray him, and then... We have to open up your wall and see if there's a hive, and if there is, it'll be three thousand. Oh no, way, man! That's that's horrible. And I'm like, oh gosh, I was assuming killing them would be the cheap route, you know. So I was bracing right. myself for how much is it going to be to move them. And right. this guy's like, we'll get rid of them a hundred bucks. I think it was a hundred seventy-five bucks, but you'll have to fix your drywall because they're going to have to put a big hole in the wall because uh, they're in they're in the wall in our dining room. But I was actually thinking about changing my fireplace. So the hole is going to be right where I'm planning to build like a fireplace surround. So it's all going to work out good. But 175 bucks. And then if they're, this is interesting. If they're grade A, they go to the Central Valley to pollinate blue diamond almonds. And if they're grade B, they stay in town and make honey for their little farm shop thing. Yeah. So you just save thousands. I'm just saving bee lives. The whole hive consciousness. That's right. Exactly. That, and my daughter's is, relieved because she, she she, didn't want us to move them at all. She thought it was cool. But then when she heard <laughs> the idea of poisoning them, she was like, oh. She, oh that. That, so I was very, very committed to not poison them. Oh, I was like, yeah, even. Once, once yeah. yeah. Huge responsibility. Yes. Yeah, so. You don't want to be a daddy assassin. and so her and my wife are actually in new york city right now on a trip nice so i'm home with my son who could wake up at any time and cut her episode short so we'll see fingers crossed it's a family uh business uh 
fun. What's that? New York, that is. The reason that... that oh, like, why are they there? Yeah. Um, my mother-in-law had to go for work, and so she had a hotel room that she won't be using, because well, nice. other than at night. So um, my wife had a bunch of airplane miles. Oh, nice. And I thought I was going to be starting my job this week, which was one of the main reasons I didn't go, but that got pushed back a week. And we didn't really want to take my son anyway, because he's kind of... Uh, he's not really at the right age to fly. I mean, I know people fly with two-year-olds, but he's just a wild child. So, <laughs> and and they're not going to have a car. They're going to have to like be doing Ubers with car seats and stuff. So it just wasn't going to work out. So, so yeah, we're here and they're going to the Eiffel Tower and Times Square and Empire State Building, all that stuff. Nice, nice. Well, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. What was I going to tell you? So, so now about the the bees, just real quick. What did your neighbors say? Anything uh, after that? I haven't talked to him since. I I just told him I was, I'd take care of it in the next couple of days. I I went over there though, and I ring the ring doorbell, and no uh-huh. no answer. And then what? so I go home, I get paper and tape, and I start writing a note to put on his because his garage door was open and the bees were kind of flying in there, so. I I was like debating shutting his garage door, but I don't really know this neighbor that well. Like we've talked only a couple of times. And uh, just then his son comes out front with uh, one of his grandparents, so a woman. And I start talking to them and I realize like three sentences in that this woman does not speak English. (laughs) She's Russian. (laughs) And like she starts speaking in Russian to the son and starts waving her arms frantically, like when I as I'm, she, I think she thought I was there to like abduct them or something. So I was like, "Oh, this is not going good." Oh man! So they ran inside, terrified. I was like, "I rang the doorbell." Like, so uh, you mean to tell me that you have Russian neighbors? Well, well the the wife and her, her family, I believe, is Russian. Yeah, I see. All and right. and uh, should I be worried? No. <laughs> No, I'm uh, not at all. I'm just joking. And so, oh, nice. so then the dad, the dad comes running out, and he's he was super nice. But yeah, yeah, I was like, hey, just a heads up, there's bees. He was he was happy that I I told him and stuff. But that's good. Man. But uh, once he realized where they were, I could see kind of a sense of like, he was like, so are are you gonna get someone to get rid of those? <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna try. So I anyway, well, that's good. But but I get, done probably the same thing. Get this, 175 bucks, which is great. But he says. Just a heads up, you're going to have probably 100 bees in your house afterwards. And I'm like, okay. I mean, it'd be better if my wife was here so she could take the kids. But I'll put my son in the be- in the bedroom, you know, hopefully yeah. for a nap. Have you seen any? Well, no, but they're going to open up the wall. Oh, this is in in the pro- in, in the process. It's my kitchen. Yeah, it's going to happen tomorrow morning. Like, it's my oh, dining room I kitchen. I already had happened. Oh, gosh. no, no, no. Yeah, he's coming out tomorrow. He oh, came out man. for a quote today, it, and they're going to do it tomorrow. And he's like, so there's going to be bees in here. He's like, I'll put up plastic, but it's not going to stop all of them. And uh, I'm like, oh, gosh. But funny thing, my dog actually, it's not, this is going to sound made up, but he actually enjoys eating bees. Okay. He loves it. No way. <laughs> they they sting his mouth, and he, like, shakes his head, like, like crazy. And then happened. And then he'll go eat another one. Like he'll go to the, our lavender bushes and eat another one. And it stings him, and he shakes his head. Some of us that are into suffering. Like that. 
He's a masochist, man. My dog's a masochist. <laughs> he eat, he he'll eat he'll just eat all the bees. Like I, it's crazy. So oh, wow. we'll just let him loose, and I'll get a vacuum, and so there you go. we'll be good. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, man. Masochist. Yeah, all right. Um, Here's the real question: What are we talking oh. about? The only cl- okay. We could do. We could finish up bioelectricity. Put it away forever. I've got clips. I have a couple clips of like. Um, I'm not really done, but I was trying to get these debates between like some new age, not new age, uh, new atheists and religious people debating, um, some good stuff there, but I only really have like two, three minute clips. Not enough to build that up. Okay. Okay. We can, I don't know. We can do both actually. Okay. All right. I like that. Well, we'll for sure. Let's start with bioelectricity and see how long let's it takes. Finish that. Yeah. How long it goes, and then uh, we'll if we have time. We do the other. And then not to talk about it tonight, but dude, I have been going hard That's, in the paint on some of the stuff we used to talk about. Enoch and uh, yes, <laughs> all this oh, stuff that man. I shouldn't probably even be like oh, spending man. time on, but. Man, I'm starting to feel like a legit like guy with red yarn connecting photos that are push pinned in my garage because I'm like it's all connected. <laughs> so, I got I got to be careful. I got to tie a rope to something so I don't get sucked hey, in. I'll I'll pull you up. It's okay. But I say hold it over here, man. Man, I've yeah. been I've been reading like about the Sumerians and you know that Abraham was from Sumer. You know, the guy who sort of, you know, that's, that's why led to Christ gave, gave rise to Islam, all the Abrahamic religions, Judaism, Islam, Christianity. Mm-hmm. He was from Sumer. Come on. That's crazy. So he grew up in that like Anunnaki spiritual type stuff. And then, uh, started listening to this thing about this Russian cold war scientist who, dude, creepy stuff. <laughs> But was using like uh, I don't want to get into it too much until I'm ready to talk about it. But just give me something. It kind of like Russia's version of like the men who stare at goats or the the USSR's version program, program, like astral projection and all this stuff. And one of the thing they were doing experiments. It was um okay, real quick. Forgive me, listeners. Tangent alert. Do it. So real quick, this scientist was. uh, This was like back when you know, Einstein time after world war two, but back then, and he was a proponent of this ether idea, which is pretty much largely dismissed as like, that was wrong or whatever out there. Yeah. But he was really into, um, this idea that time creates torsion and what he, he can measure torsion waves and he would start measuring torsion waves where a star was where it used to be, you know, a million years ago and and where it was going to be in a million years. And he found the same amount of torsion waves at each location. And so he started building on this thinking that time is sort of an illusion and uh, we just perceive time linearly, all the stuff you've probably heard in like YouTube videos, you know, but he basically started making this case that you can build a mirror to reflect anything. Uh, a regular mirror reflects light. You can build a mirror to reflect microwaves, like a satellite dish. You can build a mirror to reflect infrared, you know? And so he wanted to build a mirror to reflect torsion waves 
and um, use that to basically, it's going to sound crazy, like Do it. astral Say project it. to the future, the past, etc. So, Oh, wow. So they do this. He he builds this thing, and uh, the 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 Soviet Union gets very invested into it. The CIA gets very invested into like infiltrating and spying on it. Of course. And so there there he disappeared um, right as the experiments were getting good. But all of the people, it's very creepy the way listening to the research participants' description of it. But basically, they were going, they were seeing their past self or their future self or past events or future events. And they were talking to entities, which was creepy. And they were seeing a ton of symbols. And so they're all kept separate, right? And so they're asked to draw these symbols and they start looking them up and they're all Sumerian symbols. No way. These are all Russians. They don't know Sumerian symbols, right? Right. They're all Sumerian symbols. And it's just crazy because I've been listening to so much about, um, you know, the Anunnaki and Enoch, the, and that the Nephilim are the children of the Anak that's written yes. in the Bible. Yes. Come on, Anak, Anunnaki, come on. All right, enough of that. <laughs> enough of that. We'll give a Isn't full presentation crazy? later. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. You know, re- talking about this stuff, I have this like, deep sense of reluctance because I know how crazy it sounds. And it's like, I I'm, mean, I'm not a crazy person, so I got to be careful what I say, but it is really interesting. It is really interesting. Um, there's a lot of stuff that we just, we just don't know. We just don't know. Whatever happened to the summer people, they just, because they were writing about the end of times. I, I remember you tell me a passage on, this is the end, you know, society is going bad and, this is thousands of years ago. Remember? Yeah, I don't I don't yeah. remember much from that episode we were talking about that, but Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just remember they were writing about these things in like a crazy level of detail. So a lot of stories that were similar to the Bible. I see. But with like a lot of detail and very sci-fi for for being, you know, 6,000 years old. Mm-hmm. Talking about planets and ships and <laughs> technology and stuff, so um yeah, I don't I don't uh I don't know what happened to them, actually. Yeah. It's funny that all the advanced uh civil past civilizations are erased. Gone. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even funnier that not funny but interesting that the book of Enoch was not included among other books into the it, it didn't make it to the final cut, right? Yeah, and it's of one Bible. it's one of the oldest and that's what was interesting. Right. Is that I, I heard someone the other day saying that that is it's actually older than the civiliz- civilization of Sumer, mm-hmm. which if that's true, that's interesting that's because we were talking about like, man, the fact that there's almost identical stories older than the Bible kind of, it kind of makes you go, oh, I don't know. You know, it kind of just sounds like a retelling of the same story. You know, it's it, maybe it's all from one source. Can we just, uh, yeah. Or different people's yeah. writing about the same events, or, yeah. but you you had mentioned this idea of like the all of these cultures that have these like serpent like figures giving them oh, knowledge, yeah. and I've just been seeing so much of that lately in the stuff. I'm like, the more you, the more yes, you right, 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 right. Yes, it's crazy. And then when you read like 
this whole idea of the fallen angels and the Anunnaki, like it is hard not to see connections between all of these things. And then I was watching basically something. We owe, uh, basically we owe what we know as humans to the Anunnaki, how to read the clouds, the stars. They were, they were basically fallen angels. Right? Yeah. So I like they all have their own, they have their own names and domains. And so they taught, for instance, women how to beautify themselves with, you know, with eyes. It's crazy. It would explain Art. a lot. It would explain a lot of things that don't really make sense about. Hence you know, Prometheus. You know, yeah. Brought us illumination. Yep. They brought us knowledge. I was listening to this thing today about some Native American tribes talking about how they survived the flood because the you know the ant people which it is crazy too how many descriptions of these like beings and gods sound like aliens mm -hmm. like gray aliens like light-skinned big eyes small you know no nose kind of stuff and they brought them underground and that's how they survived the flood and then when they emerged uh, like a serpent like god helped them rebuild it's like what get out of here man i don't like that <laughs> <laughs> it sounds just like you know a movie yeah but or just the, you see the same story all over okay all over enough of that oh man next time i just i'm gonna sound like a rambling idiot if i talk much more i gotta do some research let's do more research what clips do you have all right let's do this whoa so i technical I difficulties got, yeah i see you got a little holder now I did. I uh, right. I tried pliers. I tried a screwdriver. I tried. Ultimately, the right tool for the job was a steak knife. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Not what you would expect. Okay, so we we last few weeks ago, whenever that was that we did the show, we were. I was pulling clips from an interview with Michael Levin on uh, Lex Friedman's podcast, and this guy. I just thought it was interesting. This guy had some new ideas, to say the, to say the least. I guess so. He was talking about an electrical field that basically unifies all of the cells of our body. You know, we're just a collection of cells, and each one of those cells has its own goals, its own drives, its own very small level of consciousness and computational ability capacity. So there is some force that organizes them all to towards one organism level goal. And so he was calling that force bioelectricity. So I pulled, looks like eight clips um, from the second two hours of that interview. And we will. I thought it was really interesting. The first one. Yeah. So we'll start right now. Cool. There are many, many layers to this as always in biology. So there are, um, Sorry, the question from Lex Friedman was, where is memory stored? Uh, chemical networks. Ooh. So, for example, gene regulatory networks, right, which, which are or, or basically any kind of chemical pathway where different chemicals activate and repress each other, they can store memories. So in a dynamical system sense, they can store memories. They can they can get into stable states that are hard to pull them out of, right? So that's that becomes once they get in, that's a memory, a permanent memory of some or a semi-permanent memory of something that's happened. There are cytoskeletal structures, right, that are physically they store they store memories in, in physical um, configuration. Um, that was one of the reasons why I pulled this clip. The clip's not over, but he's talking about cytoskeletal structures. 
having an ability to encode memory. And that's pretty interesting because there are three cytoskeletal elements. There's microfilaments, which are kind of like rigid spider webs. They give the cell its shape and they do some other stuff as well. They give it an ability to move. Um, little motor proteins can tug on it. There are intermediate filaments, which are like little ropes. They have high tensile strength and they connect cells together. And then there are microtubules. Microtubules are weird because they sort of just look like scaffolding. Uh, scaffolding. If you remember like high school science, you remember all these little organelles floating around in the cell, but there was never really a good explanation how things moved around. Uh, at least I don't remember that. And, and the answer is that they move around on these little microtubule roads, for lack of a better word. There is this guy named Roger Penrose, who people who are into this stuff, obviously they'll recognize that name. He is, he's a big like consciousness guy. He's always researching consciousness and he thinks consciousness is actually, and I don't know enough about this to describe it well, but is some sort of quantum vibrations, whatever that means that occur within microtubule networks within our neurons. And so the fact that he's talking about an ability for microtubules to encode memory, I thought was interesting because I think Roger Penrose is a little less mainstream, whereas this guy is very mainstream. So I I love when I see alternate and mainstream overlapping. Right, right. There are uh, electrical memories like flip-flops where there is no physical, right? So so if you look, I I, I show my students this example as a flip-flop. And the reason that it stores is zero or one is not because some some uh, p- piece of the hardware moved. It's because there's a there's a cycling of the current in one side of the thing. If I come over and I hold, um, you know, I hold the other side to a to a high voltage for for you know a brief period of time, it flips over and now it's here. But the hard none of the hardware moved. The information is in a stable, dynamical sense. And if you were to X-ray the thing, you couldn't tell me if it was zero or one, because all you would see is where the hardware is. You wouldn't see the the energetic state of the system. So there are also so there are bioelectrical um, states that are held in that exact way, like 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 volatile RAM, basically, like in the in the electrical state of so the it's system. It's very akin to the different ways the memory is stored in a computer. So there's RAM. I I love the computer analogies. That's where it cut off. There are but, many, many. Um, basically, they they go. I got a, it got a little muddy, which is why I stopped it there because they're having like a million different conversations. But they're talking about how the cell can store memory, almost, um, in, in a in a non. <clears throat> okay, so connections can be formed in our brain, and that can be a memory, mm-hmm. but cells can actually store memories in, in like an electrical state, like he's talking about. So there's no physical change to the cell, much the same way that a computer uh, uses working memory or, or RAM, um, volatile RAM, the, the memory that's used like for what you're working on right at that second. It's not storage. It's like more like a tabletop where you kind of unfold everything to work on it. And more and more like a theme of the show i feel like is the analogies between computers and humans are just it's a little unsettling <laughs> so anyway um <clears throat> that could bring us to a whole ai direction but i'll just play the next yes. clip 
Now Jeremy he's talking about regenerative medicine. Yeah, Jimmy, think, mm. think about the limitations of, of, of a lot of the medicines today. We try to interact down at the level of pathways, right? So, so we're trying to micromanage it. What the, what's the problem? Well, one problem is that for almost every medicine other than antibiotics, once you stop it, the problem comes right back. You haven't fixed anything. You were addressing symptoms. You weren't actually curing anything, again, except for antibiotics. Uh, that's one problem. The other problem is you have massive amount of side effects because you were trying to interact at the lowest level. It's right. It's like I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to program this computer by changing the uh, the melting point of copper. Like maybe you can do things that way, but my God, it's hard to to, to program at the right at the at the hardware level. So what what I think we're 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 starting to understand is that, and and by the way, this goes back to what you were saying before about. Uh, that, that we could have access to our internal state, right? So people who practice that kind of stuff, right? So yoga and, and, and biofeedback and those, those are all the people that uniformly will say things like, well, the body has an intelligence and this and that, right? Like those two sets overlap perfectly because, because that's exactly right. Because once you, once you start thinking about it that way, you realize that the better locus of control is not always at the lowest level. This is why we don't all program with a soldering iron, right? We 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 take advantage of of the high level intelligences that are there, which means trying to figure out, okay, which of your tissues can learn, what can they learn, uh, why you know why is it that um, certain drugs stop working after you take them for a while with its habituation, right? And so, can we understand habituation, sensitization, associative learning? these kinds of things in chemical pathways. We're going to have a completely different way, I, th I think. Um, we're going to have a completely different way of, of using drugs and of medicine in general when we start focusing on um, the goal states and, and on the intelligence of our subsystems as opposed to treating everything as if the only path was micromanagement from chemistry upwards. Well, can you speak to... Thoughts wow. on that? Wow. Um, that's a completely different approach. Yeah, it, it is interesting. Again, I love I love the computer analogies. Like, yeah. we we don't we don't program a computer by um, with a soldering iron. We don't mm -hmm. we don't actually. Well, once a computer is built, we do top level controls. You know, we do right. software, we do command prompts, right? Uh, applications to try to write a word document by physically rewiring. Um, or, or soldering or changing the melting points of various metals would be almost impossible. And that's sort of what we do in medicine. I mean, mm -hmm. all medicine is, is trying to come up with a molecule, a patentable molecule. That's it. That's all anybody's doing. <laughs> like it's kind of an exaggeration, but that's all anybody's doing. It's crazy. Right. Just a cell. Yeah. 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 It's like, okay. This, uh, you know, vitamin B compound looks like it might do X, Y, Z. Like what can we add? Can we add a methyl group to it and what will it do? Can we patent this new molecule? Um, right. And then once they try to get close to something like that, and then you have like a hundred side effects. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Might cause <laughs> death, diarrhea, yeah. upset Every stomach. Watch those. Yeah. Every impotence. Those. Yeah. Yeah. You name it. You name it all. But your eczema will go away. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. You're going to grow a tail, but hey, your face <laughs> will look good. Uh, it, yeah, that's, that's, that's what he's trying to say. He's really smart, though, this guy. He is. I mean, a lot of this is, it's, it's I mean, a he's shame. He's excited about it. You know, yeah. he's, like, he knows his stuff. It is a shame how theoretical it all is, though. Like, 
the fact that we've gone this far into this line of research, mm-hmm. like the the constant search for a new molecule to treat a symptom, it's like we really have no idea how to do. It. He's he's obviously right. Like he's right. That is the better approach to try to figure out how do we get the body to fix these issues rather than just find a molecule that will modify the symptoms. Right. He's right. But I mean, we're so far, away. we're so far away. <laughs> and I think the ancients were on it. Yes. Yes. Sound. And then the Eastern medicine that you never hear about it here. And then you get in all these plants, like they knew stuff, man. Absolutely. Uh, how to I, cure. I, I absolutely think that. Yeah, and they lived a long, long time because they knew how to handle all that. You know, uh, they knew everything, and I think they it's what's been washed down, obviously. But I think there's some truth uh, into like, and now we see it, you know, as, as Western science, right? Mm-hmm. Western medicine, like reflexology, reading uh, the iris. Uh, that's because there's no evidence, right? Or that's because there's not enough. Not enough studies, basically, to support that. But I think there we're, you know, there's we're so lost. Oh yeah, we're. I mean, <laughs> we're we are so, in some ways, so arrogant and so blind. And then, then oh, at yeah. the same time, obviously, like you know, Western medicine is incredibly impressive too for certain things. Um, you know, if oh if, yeah, yeah, nothing's going to replace a broken bone, right? That's that's it. You, trauma. Yeah, I hear you. Anything trauma, traumatic, Western anything medicine, orthopedic, yeah, right. Orthopedic or or neuroscience, you know, even a, a brain tumor or anything like that. Yep, uh, yep. I get it. But everything else, like, it's just like maintenance level yep. stuff. Everything else, yeah. Oh yeah, I I, I think we we lost our way. Hundred percent our way. I think back then they, we're one. You know, we're we're plants. I really think so. And that's one of, of the examples that I use uh, with with some of our patients. You know, some of my patients, hey, listen, if you want to grow muscle, think about it as a plant. You know, if you don't water it, it's just wither and die. Like, you have to water your plant. Yeah. And they, it, it's got, got like a little light turns on. It's like, oh, yeah. It's like, I wish I could work out for you and do exercises for you, but I can't. Dude, people are obsessed. People are obsessed with healthcare, though. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's a good, it's a good one. The immediate now. Yeah. The immediate fix. Give me something. It's a, it's a, it's a balance. Like, cause you don't, you know, you don't want to completely avoid healthcare, obviously. Like you want checkups and screening and stuff, but, but then people are just like addicted to like what, what is the next pill or procedure I can get to do X, Y, and Z. It's wild. Like right now, like right now, it's really sad. It's definitely an epidemic. Uh, anxiety, depression, like the mental states and emotional states are off the roof. Like all generations. See, I was just reading about that. Um, Gen Zs, even some millennials, are just uh, the anxiety and depression levels are off. I would, I would love to do an episode about that. There, it's almost just like a it's sense really of hopelessness and listlessness like what is the point of all this right i mean look at the jobs i mean you see data and data they just they're not happy at their jobs they have no purpose uh and it's a it's a reflection of society right yeah Um, it's 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 really sad i mean i see it every day a lot of problems are cultural problems like 
It's like, it's the issue is not, you know, what molecule can we modify in the brain to make people happy? Well, they want to do that. They want to get your anxiety and they think they got it with certain medications that they use right now, right? Oh gosh. I, yeah, I don't know about any of these. Um, I mean, yeah, but, but no way that they don't work. Yeah. I got to be careful because I, I know there are many people where that statement would be incredibly triggering. Like, like you don't know what you're talking about. Like I went on, I went on this medicine and it completely changed my life. And like, I, I don't want to like, I don't know. I don't know their situation. Minimize medication. Yeah. I don't know their situation. Maybe it, maybe it turned everything around for them, but it, uh, the problem seems deeper. I hope so, but it's not for everyone. Yeah. If it can help one person, that's great. You know, keep it up. But it's not for everyone. The problem feels deeper. It seems like there's just a lot of people who are missing something. And that's a that's a right. dangerous place to be right. as a society because it's yeah, like... Hopelessness. Hopelessness. It's like we're all just ripe for someone to come along and give us a direction. And that direction yeah. might not be good. You know? And you'll take anything. Yeah, yep. you'll take anything. Yep, exactly. And whatever. Yeah, it's, it's desperate times, really. Yeah. Well, now we're going to talk about worms. <laughs> That's the next clip. Well, can you speak to this idea of somatic psychiatry? What are oh, somatic cells? How do they form networks that use bioelectricity to have memory and all those kinds of things? Yeah. What are somatic cells? Like basics here. The somatic cells just means the cells of your body. Soma just means body, right? So, so somatic cells are just the. I'm not even specifically making a distinction between somatic cells and stem cells or anything like that. I mean, basically all the cells in your body, not just neurons, but all the cells in your body, they form electrical networks during embryogenesis, during regeneration. What those networks are doing, in part, is processing information about what our current shape is and what the goal shape is. Now, how do I know this? Because uh, I can give you a couple of examples. One one example is uh, when we started studying this. We said, okay, here's a here's a planarian. A planarian is a flatworm. It has one head and one tail normally. And the amazing, the, the several amazing things about planaria. But basically, they they kind of, I think I think planaria hold uh, the answer to pretty much every deep question of life. For one thing, they're similar to our ancestors. So they they have true symmetry. They have a true brain. They're not like earthworms. They're you know they're much more advanced life form. They have lots of different internal organs, but they're these little. Um, they're about you know maybe two centimeters in, in the centimeter to two in size. And they have a, brain, a head and a tail. And the first thing is planaria are immortal, so they do not age. There's no such thing as an old planarian. So that right there tells you that these theories of thermodynamic um, limitations of on lifespan are wrong. It's not. It's not that well over time of everything degrades. No, planaria can keep it going for uh, probably you know how long if they've been around 400 million years, right? So these are the actual. So the planaria in our lab are actually in physical continuity with planaria that were here 400 million years ago. So there's planaria that have lived that long essentially what does it mean physical continuity because because what they do is they split in half the way they reproduce is they split in half so so the planarian the back the back end grabs the petri dish the front end takes off and they they rip themselves in half but isn't in some sense we're like you are a a physical continuation yes except that except that we go through a bottleneck of one cell which is the egg they do not. I mean, they can. There's certain planaria that got it. So right? we go through a very uh, ruthless compression yes, process, yes, and they don't. Yes, like an auto encoder. You know, was... I had to stop right there because I love the computer analogies. <laughs> it just keeps it just keeps coming back to it. that. So there's still another minute left of the clip, but Lex asks a very good question. He's like, "Well, isn't that how 
don't we have physical continuity as well? And he's like, no, we're, we're brutally compressed down to one cell. And then that one cell mixes with another cell that's gone through brutal data compression. And then we form a new organism. Whereas these have the same memories, have the same, you know, exact identical brains. They're in physical continuity for 400 million years. That's that's crazy. It's wild. Yeah. Sort of squash um, down to one cell and then back out. The, what's up? No, you're good. These, these guys just tear themselves in half, and then each and then and so the other amazing thing about them is they regenerate. So you yeah. can cut them into pieces. The record is I think 276 or something like that by Thomas Hunt Morgan, uh, and each piece regrows a perfect little worm. They know exactly every piece knows exactly what's missing, what needs to happen. Uh, in fact, in fact, if you chop it in half, as it grows the other half. Uh, the original the, the original uh, tissue shrinks so that when the new tiny head shows up they're proportional so it keeps it keeps perfect proportion if you if you starve them they shrink if you feed them again they expand they their control their anatomical control is 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 just insane somebody cut them into over 200 yes. pieces yeah 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 thomas hunt morgan did yeah. hashtag science yep amazing yeah and maybe more <laughs> i mean they didn't have antibiotics back then i bet he lost some due to infection i bet i bet it's actually more than that you could i bet you could do more than that humans can't do that <laughs> well, yeah, yes. I mean, again, yeah, true. Except maybe that, you can at the embryonic level. Well, that's that's the thing, right? So, so I tell when when I talk about this, I said just remember that as as amazing as it is to grow a whole planarian from a tiny fragment, half of the human population can grow a full body from one cell, right? So, so development is really you can look at development as a as a just an example of regeneration. Yeah, to think the the planarian idea is just so interesting from a lifespan context mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's it's pure form I mean, it can it's, be it can be origin. done it can be done that's what's that's what's crazy it's like there was all these theories like metabolic limit thermodynamic limit mm -hmm. whereas you know an organism just can't live forever no matter what there are limits mm -hmm. and it's like well no there aren't there's not i mean for humans obviously there there is some sort of programmed aging it's not a metabolic limit it's not a it's not a law you know do you th it just occurred to me do you think consciousness puts a limit in your lifespan mm. you don't have to answer that no i just, I just thought about that no okay. I, I don't i don't okay um i mean this worms don't have they don't have consciousness you don't think so What's the purpose of a worm? I know. Do you need I'm purpose so, to I'm be so. conscious? We keep coming back. We have different, I think we have different definitions. Different perceptions of, what, of yeah. consciousness. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I think that worm is, has goals, you know, not, obviously it's not thinking like, hmm, what am I going to eat for breakfast today? But it's an agent with goals, <laughs> you know. Okay. 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 Um, but that gets into like, well, you know, our plants conscious to me, conscious is, is, uh, self-awareness. Do you think the worms have self-awareness? I don't know. And plants? I don't know. And how about animals? Cause it's like, oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Right. Animals. Right. Yeah. Right. Good. So it's like at what level of brain development Correct. do you really have self-awareness? I don't know. So I, so, so if these worms are at a basic level, cellular level, they can live forever. 
with the same memories. Is that what we're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a sim- that's a very simple uh, organism. Yeah, sure. I mean, one of the and I think when it gets more complex, is that that's what Lex was saying. Like we can cut ourselves in pieces. You know, humans can't do that at, at our grown up finished product. Right, right. But that probably has that probably has less to. I mean, obviously. Ah, oh, man, this is interesting. It's like. Mm-mm. But I think the take home for me is that aging is something that we're programmed with. Mm-hmm. It's not a fundamental law of of being being a physical creature on this earth. Some creatures don't age. But we're supposed to live forever. Like our our human body is supposed to live forever. That mean, was the original plan. Like in the biblical context you're talking Correct. about? Correct. Correct. Yeah, we'll see that that kind of actually in this context is interesting because because aging is certainly a programmed process. It's not it doesn't have to now be it, that now, way. Now it is. Right, right, right. But but it wasn't intended that way. Right. So some somewhere in the well, as soon as we ate from the tree of knowledge. Boom. Gene expression, right? We Man, were programmed to destined to die. That's another thing I've been getting in <laughs> with intensely is like my, my, you know, you know, flat earth owl that we like to make fun of on the show. Yeah. He has, um, he's got like some really interesting ideas about this ancient biblical stuff, like that the fallen angels were doing gene editing before the flood. Right. And that's why right. the flood happened. And they were right. creating and, and modifying us. With, yeah. Right. Interbreeding with different species and different <laughs> and this kinds of stuff. I hear stuff. I hear stuff like that and like references to altering the seed, which is like very like mm-hmm. gene editing, DNA editing, yeah. you know. I'm like, oh yeah. man, maybe there was something wild going on ten thousand years ago. I really think so. Yeah, I think I so mean, too. I, I think so. They were so advanced that I mean they got bored. <laughs> And they start fiddling with all that, and that was forbidden, hence the flood. More and more, I think humanity humanity has gone through maybe many five thousand year cycles. I think so too, or six thousand year cycles, or ten thousand year cycles. I mean, because if we've been, if you know, evolutionary modern humans have been around for eighty thousand years, the civilization could have rise and fallen many times. (laughs) Yeah, the the only thing we know now, what we were, what six thousand years old, five thousand years old, something like that. What is our current version? Oh, like modern this, this civilization. Epi- yeah, this episode, like the, yeah. yeah, yeah. According to the Bible, right? We're well, I mean, just e- even even like um, mainstream science, like mainstream mainstream is like no civilization prior to five six thousand years ago, but uh, end of the ice age was like twelve thousand years ago, which is when. We started, yeah. and then we have fossils and and uh, pyramids buried underneath, like the Indonesia with the yep. what was his name? Yeah, it's the, same uh, dimensions as same ratio yeah. of dimensions as the one in, in Egypt, aligned to the yeah. same constellations. Come on, yeah, that's why I think we're not we're not the first version of of humans. No, that's and I'm like firmly, I firmly believe this is one of the things I'm not too embarrassed to say. Right. That a lot of this stuff is pre Ice Age. Yeah. 
Yeah. It, I, it I, comes I, from, it's what's left over from an too older many fossils, civilization. Too many, too many archaeological sites. Yes. Too many uh, intertwined stories. Yeah. Different cultures where physically we had no connection, but we don't know if we had connection of other, other kind. Yeah. There's, there's just too many connections. And, too many coincidences. And whatever civilization that was before the Ice Age was a worldwide or nearly oh, yeah. worldwide civilization, yeah, or collection yeah, yeah. of civilizations. It's, it was a different world, right? The green was green somewhere. Like we had continents that the Sahara was green. Now. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so I, when people think this is our the only version, uh, I, I don't know. It's we're just not. like, man, how we're not how many possible. how many times it was the shittiest version. <laughs> well, who knows? I don't want to be too hard on us. We might be. We might be the shittiest version. We could be the. The oh, Ford man, Pinto, yeah. the Alfa Romeo, whatever. Yeah, just look at medicine like 50 years from now. You had your physician smoking. Smoke a cigarette, it'll get better, you know, <laughs> doing coke. And, I mean, it was horrible just 50 years ago. We're not that smart. In, in some ways, we're incredibly impressive. And in other ways, we're just like incredibly blind and naive. Idiot. Yeah. You totally. know, like the fact for 200 bucks, I can learn every letter in the code in your body is pretty amazing. Like that, that that's an amazing accomplishment. However, at the same time, I can't do, um, I can almost do nothing with that information. <laughs> like that's, it's an amazing feat, but we just don't have the, the knowledge to really do a whole lot with that. So, right. I don't know. and I think they did back then. I think so too. I mean, may, maybe they weren't doing gene sequencing, but they may have had a better, I mean, maybe there were, honestly, who knows, but they so, may have so, so, had a better top-down so control. So if we had a flood right now, what do you think something that modern man has invented that would have lasted? 4,000 years from now, the only thing there'd be was those damn pyramids. Exactly. <laughs> from exactly. two cycles ago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And But nothing that we have invented right now will last. It's all perishable. It's It's... It's it's, they'd be calling the really? people the people living there now those that'd be the ancient egyptians they built the pyramids <laughs> a thousand years ago you know nothing yeah. maybe mount uh, rushmore because it's a it's stone yeah and they, anything and stone they knew this anything exactly stone. yeah exactly so they knew this that's why they built all this stuff out, out of stone and only certain kinds of stone you know like there right. there's a lot of evidence that some of the don't do it in limestone a lot of the pyramid blocks are, is actually like they're like man they're cast stone. I might be thinking of the wrong pyramids. I shouldn't bring stuff up that I don't know well. But they find no, like the traces of human hair inside the blocks, and it's like it was pulverized in into a powder and then mixed like cement. Oh man! And the ones in Egypt. I don't know if it's right. the ones. It's I don't know. Somebody the ones it. in the ones in Mexico are all stone, and Peru it's all stone, man. That's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. And the fact that. Okay, I mean, I, I got to go there. But the fact that the base, uh, the base of the pyramid is a, a uh, uh, it's same the same diameter. It's of dimensions. Of, it's of a factor pyramid. of I think forty three thousand six hundred or forty three thousand two hundred that equals the circumference of the Earth, and then you multiply the height by the same number, and that's the 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 um. I'm messing this up. <laughs> It's the dimensions of the earth are encoded in the dimensions of the pyramid, basically. And uh, it's and it's a factor of a processional cycle and like number of years. 
you multiply by the number of years in one processional cycle and that's the size of the earth. There's, there's all sorts of stuff that just, I don't know. Nor, now, normally numerology, I roll my eyes immediately because it's like, well, if you multiply two times three, it's six oh, yeah, and there's six angels in the sixth right. thing. And it's like, and if you divide that by two and it, you're just making up numbers. But when it's, when it's as clear cut as the pyramids, like it's, it's very, it's very impressive. And you're like, oh, wow. It, yeah, it's, it's called sacred geometry. Yep. Right, we get the Fibonacci sequence, and you know who knew about that? Tesla, Nikolai Tesla. Oh man, I've been like he, I've been binging said, on some Tesla, man. Yeah, and he said there are three main numbers of the universe, right? Which is three, six, and nine. Like once we find the the cohesiveness and what makes the harmony, it's that's the answer of the universe. And no one knew, and no one knows. He was very into pyramids. Yeah, well, he invented Wi-Fi, right? The first Wi-Fi. Topic. Well, even um, more than Wi-Fi, it was uh, it was wireless energy. Oh yes, wireless yeah, energy. Yes, yeah. Yes, yes. That's which you know some people say that's what the pyramids were. There's a cool especially there's a cool theory the about top. that. I know, especially at the top, right? There's a cool there's a cool theory like based on the chemicals they found in the um, not the chambers like not the king's chamber or queen's chamber, right. but the the passageways. Yes. I've seen that. Yeah, like one has hydrochloric acid and one has like let's just say sulfuric acid. It's supposed to be like a huge battery, right? Yeah. That'll power the whole city. Yeah, and that basically yeah. the the limestone blocks are insulators, but then there's granite with quartz in it, which is an electrical conductor. There there's inside of the pyramid there's these pillars that connect to the chamber where they these chemicals react. Yeah. Light bulbs. They have pictures of light bulbs. You've seen them, right? I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they found little jars with also like they look like batteries in the clay and all that. And if the capstone really was gold, which is what they think, I mean gold's right. so conductive, it's like hey, something's up, man. I don't know. <laughs> something's up. I uh, uh anyway, okay, so let's go to the next clip. All right. Uh, did I speak too soon? Okay, so now we're talking about we're going back to memory a little bit. The reason we're talking about planaria is not only are they immortal, okay? Not only do they regenerate every part of the body, uh, they do, they generally don't get cancer, right? So, which we can talk about why that's important. They're smart. They can learn things. So you can train them. And it turns out that if you train a planarian and then cut their heads off, the tail will regenerate a brand new brain that still remembers the original information. Do they have a biological network going on or yes. no? Yes. So their somatic cells are forming a network and that's that's what you mean by a true brain what, what's the requirement for a true brain I, I like everything else it's a continuum but yes. but but a true brain has certain characteristics as far as the density like a localized density of neurons that guides behavior oh, in the head exactly Connected if, to the if, head exactly somewhere. if you cut their head off uh the the tail doesn't have that doesn't do anything it just sits there until the new brain is 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 you know until a new brain regenerates they have all the same neurotransmitters that you and i have but here's why here's why we're talking about them in, in this in this context so here's your planaria. You cut off the head. You cut off the tail. You have a middle fragment. That middle fragment has to make one head and one tail. How does it know how many of each to make and where do they go? How come it doesn't switch? How come, right? So, so we did a very simple uh, thing and we said, okay, let's, let's make the hypothesis that there's a somatic electrical network 
that remembers the correct pattern and that what it's doing is is recalling that memory and building to that pattern so what we did was we used a um a way to visualize electrical activity in these cells right it's a it's a it's a variant of what people use to look for electricity in the brain and we saw that it has a that that fragment has a very very particular um electrical pattern you can literally see it once once we developed the technique it has a very particular electrical pattern that shows you where the head and the tail goes right you can you can just see it and then we said, okay, well now let's test the idea that that's a memory that actually controls where the head and the tail goes. Let's change that pattern. So basically incept a false memory. And so what you can do is you can do that in many different ways. One way is with um, drugs that target ion channels to say, and, and so you, you pick these drugs and you say, okay, I'm gonna do it so that instead of, so that instead of this one head, one tail pa electrical pattern, you have a two headed pattern, right? You're just editing the electrical information in the, in the network. When you do that, guess what the cells build? They build a two headed worm. And the coolest thing about it, now no, no genetic changes, so we haven't touched the genome. The genome is totally wild type. But the amazing thing about it is that when you take these two headed animals and you cut them into pieces again, some of those pieces will continue to make two headed animals. So, so that information, that, that memory, that, that electrical circuit, not only does it hold the information for how many heads, not only does it use that information to tell the cells what to do to regenerate, but it stores it. Once you've reset it, it keeps. And we can go back. We can take a two-headed animal and, and put it back to one-headed. So now imagine, so there's a couple of interesting things here that, um, that have implications for understanding what, what genomes and things like that. Imagine I take this two-headed animal. Um, Oh, and by the way, when they reproduce, when they tear themselves in half, you still get two-headed animals. So imagine I take them and I throw them in the Charles River over here. So 100 years later, some scientists come along and they scoop up some samples and they go, oh, there's a single-headed form and a two-headed form. Wow, a speciation event. Cool. Let's sequence the genome and see why, what happened. The genomes are identical. There's nothing wrong with the genome. So if you ask the question, how... Dude, that is a very insane clip. There's a lot to unpack there. Two things. So, oh, go so ahead. Go what, ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, what he's, if I understand correctly, what he's saying is that where cells are guided, but they're receiving orders from an electrical yeah. pulse or an electrical energy, right? Yeah. But but think about it. Like you you learn how to navigate a maze. You're a little worm. You're trained how to navigate a maze. Uh, you get you get food if you navigate it correctly, right? So that's your training. Then you get cut in half, and your your tail. This is what's crazy to me. How does your tail contain the information needed to regenerate a brain that contains that memory? How is that possible? Right. Like because right. because every you know science tells us that memories are stored in the brain. There's a lot of tons of research about dendritic spines and potentiation and how memories are encoded in a brain. How would my foot know those memories? Like say I could regenerate, right? So you cut my foot off right. and it regenerates a new me. Right. How in the world would that have the same memories? There's much, how could there be that much information encoded in that electrical network? That's insane. It is insane, but I do have an issue though. Okay. It's, it's, how can you compare a worm to a human? I'm not, I'm not. No, 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 I'm saying you are, but I'm saying, but I'm saying the reason that is not possible now for us, what he's saying, it will be possible. Is that what he's No, he's possible? just, it's just boggles the mind. How is that possible? How, how could a memory that's stored in a brain also be stored in your tail as a worm? For us, because it's a simple system. 
but but what's the mechanism? There's no what we have no idea what the mechanism is. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, no, like forget don't. about humans no, right. versus worms. Like, how can memories which are stored in a brain? They have a brain like us, like the same model. It's not like an earthworm where there's just like right. neurons all over the body. There's right. a brain in the head. If you cut the tail off, how are those memories stored in the tail? There's no, there's no brain. Like it doesn't make any sense, man. It's it, it's yeah, crazy. That is crazy. What it, what? How little do we know? Like we don't know anything. That's wild to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wonder, he's running all this experiments, or he's getting it from someone else. He's he's doing the experiments. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. The implications are nuts. Well, it's like, it's like, how can we not know that? Like, we know we know so little. Then, if we don't understand, like, if we're just now discovering this, how how can the code for a brain be stored in somatic cells in a tail? It just boggles wonder, my mind. Yeah. I wonder if he's, I'm sure they run like run more experiments on a more complex systems like animals, right? Yeah. They've moved up from um, like a frog or something. Yeah. Well, he did the frog. He uses the frogs for Xenobots. Well, they can't do a more complex system because there's planarians are the only creature that behaves this way. So yeah. I'm sure they're trying to figure out how right, they right. do it. I would. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be of interest. <laughs> I but, would. But then he ended with something that kind of is like, was sort of a throwaway line, but it's sort of fascinating where they can modify the electrical network, not the brain, not the DNA, but right. ion channels. And they can now, when they cut the planarian in half, they can force it to have two heads or two tails. Wild. You would think it's all genetic we modify. And that's what's so interesting because he says, now imagine we throw them in the river. The two-headed version has the exact same DNA as the one-headed version and the offspring of the two-headed version will also be two-headed. So, a hundred years from now, evolutionary biologists could pull those out of the river We're lost. And say, look, evolution, what what evolutionary processes could have evolved this two-headed worm? Let's look at the DNA. The DNA is the exact same. That's wild. Look, it's a speciation event, you know, which is like what's needed. You know, we're always looking for speciation events to sort of show like how evolution works, you know, Mm -hmm. man, that that blew my mind. Yeah, it is pretty wild. We're just completely, we're just completely blind to stuff. It's, it's crazy to me. We're just, that's what I'm saying. We're dumb. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, in a lot of ways. We're a little, we're running a little behind. That's all, you know? You know, I think we'd be so much better off if we weren't so close minded to like new ideas. It's yeah. greed. It, all comes it is back to that, man. Someone else put a cap on that. You know? I, I feel like humans have the capability to unravel a lot of these mysteries, but greed. Oh, totally. man. Greed like, and self-censorship. Yeah. In, it, trying to find that molecule. Yeah, like yeah. what can I patent? Um, and just, just you know, he he has. When you're as smart as he is, you can say this stuff. You know, you can do the experiments, you can say it. But ninety nine percent of people, they're just not really allowed to talk like this. Their their reputation will suffer. Like at ninety nine percent of academics, I mean, like if you're a biologist and you have these ideas, 
Like, no one is going to find. No one's going to invite you to their fun. party. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and guess what? You have nothing to wear either. <laughs> right. Funds will be withdrew. You know, exactly. Withdrawn. <laughs> All right, next one. The other amazing thing about these planarias, think about this. Most animals, when we get a mutation in our bodies, our children don't inherit it, right? So you could go on, you could run around for 50, 60 years getting mutations. Your children don't have those mutations because we go through the egg stage. Planaria tear themselves in half and that's how they reproduce. So for 400 million years, they keep every mutation that they've had that doesn't kill the cell that it's in. So when you look at these planaria, their bodies are what's called mixoploid, meaning that every cell might have a different number of chromosomes. They look like a tumor. If you look at the, 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 the genome is an incredible mess because they accumulate all this stuff. And yet the, their body structure is, they are the best regenerators on the planet. Their anatomy is rock solid, even though their genome is, is all kinds of crap. So this is uh, kind of a scandal, right? That, you know, when we learn that, well, you know, what are genomes? Well, genomes determine your body. Okay, why does the animal with the worst genome have the best anatomical control, the most cancer resistant, the most regenerative, right? Really, we're just beginning to start to understand this um, relationship between the, the genomically determined hardware. And, and, and by the way, just as of, as of a couple of months ago, I think I now somewhat understand why this is, but it's really, it's really a major, you know, a major puzzle. I mean, that really... I'm not sure what my main take-home was there, other than their genome is a disaster and anatomically they're, they're fine. Mm -hmm. Through millions of years. Yeah. 400 million years. Jeez. And no cancer, no cancer and no real evolution either because they're not, right. they're not right. mixing DNA. They're not selecting for traits. They're just here. They just continue. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we're going to talk about xenobots a little bit more. In the beginning, you uh, you mentioned that the word xenobots is like controversial. Did you guys get in trouble for using xenobots, or what? Do people not like the word xenobots? Are you trying to be provocative with the word xenobots versus biological robots? I don't know. This, yeah. Is there some drama that we should be aware of? So, uh, there's a little bit of drama. Uh, I think I think the drama is basically related to people um, having very fixed ideas about what terms mean. And I think in many cases, these ideas are completely out of date with, with where science is now. And for sure, they're, they're out of date with what's going to be. I mean, these, these, these concepts uh, are not going to survive the next couple of decades. So if you ask a person and including um, you know, a lot of people in biology who kind of want to keep a sharp distinction between biologicals and robots, right? See, what's a robot? Well, a robot, it comes out of a factory. It's made by humans. It is boring. It is a meaning that you can predict everything it's going to do. It's made of metal and certain other inorganic materials. Living organisms are magical. They, they, mm. they arise, right? And so on. So there's these distinctions. I think these, these distinctions, I think, were, were never good but uh, they're going to be completely useless going forward. And so part of, there's a couple of papers that, that's one paper and there's another one that Josh Bongard and I wrote where we really uh, attack the terminology. And we say these binary categories are based on very um, non-essential kind of surface uh, limitations of, of technology and imagination that were true before, but they've got to go. And so, and so we call them Xenobots. So so Zeno for Xenopus Lavis, it's the frog that, that these guys are made of. But we think it's an example of, 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 uh, of a biobot technology because ultimately, if we, if we under, once we understand how to uh, communicate and manipulate um, the inputs to these cells, 
we will be able to get them to build whatever we want them to build. And that's robotics, right? It's it's the rational construction of machines that have useful purposes. I, I, I absolutely think that this is a robotics platform, whereas some biologists don't. But it's built in a way that uh, all the different components are doing their own computation. So in, the, in a way that we've been talking about, so you're trying to do top-down control on that exactly biological right. system. And, and in the future, all of this will, will, will merge together because of course, at some point we're going to throw in synthetic biology circuits, right? New, new, um, you know, new transcriptional circuits to get them to do new things. Of course, we'll throw some of that in, but we specifically stayed away from all of that because in the first few papers, and there's some more coming down the pike that are, uh, I think going to be pretty, pretty dynamite. Um, that uh, we want to show what the native cells are made of, because what happens is, you know, if you engineer the heck out of them, right? If we were to put in new, you know, new transcription factors and some new metabolic machinery and whatever, people will say, well, okay, you engineered this and you made it do whatever and fine. I wanted to show, uh, and 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 the whole team uh, wanted to show the plasticity and the intelligence in the biology. What does it do that's surprising before you even start manipulating the hardware in that way? Okay, man, brave new world. Yeah, little that's... little robots, biological robots. What could go wrong? <laughs> um, that's what they say in, in Wuhan, China. <laughs> more than anything, viruses. Yeah, yeah. More than anything, though, I think the Xenobot idea just kind of shows that we are, or at least frogs are, although they've done it with other cells too. Um, but are a collection of, uh, I don't want to say conscious, I'll use a different word, self-motivated agents, you know, cause you cut, you cut a few skin cells off a frog and it turns into a sphere and starts looking for nutrients. That's crazy. Like what? <laughs> you know, yeah. so clearly there's an electrical force that keeps all of these goals aligned, all these cells goals aligned. Um, it's not a large force; it's a small force. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in I, I guess I only really know neurons. Come to think of it, I'm not really sure. We're talking about microvolts, yeah. Yeah, I think it's millivolts. Okay, I think it's millivolts, uh, or at least okay. an at least an action potential is measured in millivolts. Maybe, maybe right. resting memory potential isn't. But we only have two more clips, and they're about medicine. So let me just play one of them real quick. So. How does regenerative medicine work today? How do you hope it works? What's the hope there? Yeah. How, yeah. How, how do you make it happen? Well, today there's a set of popular approaches. So, so one is 3D printing. So the idea is I'm, I'm going to make a scaffold of the thing that I want. I'm going to seed it with cells and then, and then there it is, right? So kind of direct. And then that works for certain things. You can make a bladder that way or, or an ear or something like that. Um, the other the other idea is, is uh, some sort of stem cell transplant. The idea is if we... Uh, if we put in stem cells with appropriate factors, we can get them to generate certain kinds of neurons for certain you know, diseases and so on. All of those things are good for relatively simple structures. But when you want an eye or a hand or something else, I think, and this may be an unpopular opinion, I think the only hope we have in any reasonable kind of time frame is to uh, understand how the thing was motivated to get made in the first place. So what is it that that made those cells in the in the beginning create a particular arm with a particular uh, set, of, uh, set of sizes and shapes and number of fingers and all that? And why is it that a salamander can keep losing theirs and keep regrowing theirs and a planarian can do the same even more so? To me, uh, kind of ultimate regenerative medicine was when 
you can tell the cells to build whatever it is you need them to build, right? And so the, so that we can all be like planaria, basically. Do you have to start at the very beginning or can you um, do a shortcut? Because if you're growing a hand, you already got the whole organism. Yeah. So here's what we've done, right? So so we've we've more or less solved that in frogs. So frogs, unlike salamanders, do not regenerate their legs as adults. And so so uh, we've shown that with a very um, uh, kind of simple intervention. So what we do is there's there's two things. You need to uh, you need to have a signal that tells the cells what to do, and then you need some way of delivering it. And so this is worked together with um, with David Kaplan. And I should do a, um, a disclosure here. We have a company called Morphoceuticals, and a spinoff where we are trying to uh, to address uh, uh, regenerate you know limb regeneration. So we've solved it in the frog, and we're now in uh, trials in mice. So now we're going to awesome. we're in mammals now. And so I can't say anything about how it's going, but the frog thing is solved. So what you do is um, after so you can so have a little frog Luke Skywalker with a regrowing hand. Yeah, basically. Basically, yeah, yeah. So what you do is we did we did it with legs instead of forearms, and what you do is um, after amputation, normally they they don't regenerate. You put on a wearable bioreactor, so it's this thing that um, that goes on, and uh, Dave Kaplan's lab makes these things. And inside, it's a it's a very controlled um, environment. It is a silk gel that carries uh, some drugs, for example, ion channel drugs. And what you're doing is you're saying to these cells, you should regrow what normally goes here. So. Uh, that whole thing is on for 24 hours and you take it off. You don't touch the leg again. This is really important because what we're not looking for is a set of micromanagement, uh, you know, printing or controlling the cells. We want to trigger. We want to we want to interact with it early on and then not touch it again because because we don't know how to make a frog leg. The frog knows how to make a frog leg. So 24 hours, 18 months of leg growth after that without us touching it again. And after 18 months, you get a pretty good leg. That pretty wild, huh? That's awesome, actually. There's pictures of these frogs with little, like, it's like if you were doing Star Wars 9 and you wanted uh-huh. to design, like, a medical device for Star Wars that regrew hands, it's exactly what you would expect. <laughs> like, it's like this metal thing that goes over the frog's leg and they wear it for, what do you say, 18 hours or 24 hours, and then the leg grows back. That's freaking crazy. And so now they're doing it in mice. Um, but all the, all the details are hush hush because it's all sorts of investment stuff tied to it. But, um, but man, I don't know. I don't know what my point is of that just is wild. I think it's a new frontier. I think so too. I mean, one thing I've learned from doing some, uh, bioinformatics work is that it's just so complicated. I mean, to do like to actually tinker with individual genes, which is what everyone's doing. They're, they're researching a gene and they're trying to come up with a drug that changes its expression, like one gene or a network of a hundred genes or 200 genes. We we're not, we can't, we're not ready for that. I mean, maybe AI can figure that out, but, but we can't. So the, this idea of like, okay, let's not mess with that. Let's find like the one top level control and modify that and let the body do what it can already do. It grew a leg once, grow a leg again. Change of thinking. Yeah. Yeah, man. Ready for the last one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring it. We'll bring it home. All right. This one's about cancer. Suppression. That's something you mentioned earlier. How can all of these ideas help with cancer suppression? 
So let's let's go back to the beginning and ask what 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 cancer is. So I think um you know asking why there's cancer is the wrong question. I think the right question is why is there ever anything but cancer? So so in the normal state you have a bunch of cells that are all cooperating towards a large scale goal. If that process of cooperation breaks down and you've got a cell that is isolated from that electrical network that lets you remember what the big goal is, you revert back to your unicellular lifestyle. As far as, now think about that border between self and world, right? Normally when all these cells are connected by gap junctions into an electrical network, they are all one self, right? That meaning that um, their goals, uh, they, they have these large tissue level goals and so on. As soon as a cell is disconnected from that, the self is tiny, right? And so at that point, and so so people, a lot of people model cancer cell, cells as being more selfish and all that. They're not more selfish, they're equally selfish, it's just that their self is smaller. Normally the self is huge, now they got tiny little cells. Now, what are the goals of tiny little cells? Well, proliferate, right? And migrate to wherever life is good. And that's metastasis, that's proliferation and metastasis. So, so one thing we found, and people have noticed years ago that when cells convert to cancer, the first thing they see is they close the gap junctions. And it's a lot like, I think it's a lot like that experiment with the slime mold, where until you close that gap junction, you can't even entertain the idea of leaving the collective because there is no you at that point, right? You're mind melded with this, with this whole other network. But as soon as the gap junction is closed, now the boundary between you now, now the rest of the body is just outside environment to you. You're just a, you're just a, a, a unicellular organism and the rest of the body's environment. So, so we, so we studied this process and uh, we worked out a way to artificially control the bioelectric uh, state of these cells to physically force them to remain in that network. And so then, then what that, what that means is that um, nasty um, mutations like KRAS and things like that, these, these really tough oncogenic mutations that cause tumors. If you, if you do them and then, but, but then, but then artificially um, uh, control the bioelectrics, you, 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 you greatly reduce tumor genesis or, or normalize cells that had already begun to convert you. Basically they go back to being normal cells. And so wow. this is another, much like with the planaria, this is another way in which the bioelectric state, uh, kind of, uh, dominates what the, what the genetic state is. So if you sequence the, the, you know, if you sequence the nucleic acids, you'll see the KRAS mutation, you'll say, ah, well, that's going to be a tumor but there isn't a tumor because, because bioelectrically you've kept the cells connected and they're just working on making nice skin and kidneys and whatever else. So, so we've started moving that to, um, to, to human uh, glioblastoma cells and we're hoping for um, you know, a patient in the future um, interaction with patients. Man. Wow. That's it, it right there. It's, cra it's crazy to me. That I don't know if that clip sounds all that mind blowing to people, but it reframes what cancer is in such an obvious way that it's like, wow, how come people didn't realize this sooner? Because it's like, okay, all of your cells are electrically connected. There's physical tunnels between cells so that fluid and charged particles can move back and forth. So there's no way for a cell to, I mean, it really, it really gives cells, it reframes the way you think about cells. Like you have to think about them as having goals now. Right. And Unless it's like their own. Yes. And they're all connected. In unison, so it's, in it's unison. Exactly. Right. As long as they're connected, they're one organism. But as right. soon as one gets disconnected, it's like it wakes up and goes, where am I? What's going on? I'm in, I'm in this, this bag of all these, all these cells are all around me. I need to, I need to get out of here. I need to proliferate. Yeah. I need to get out of here. I need to, yeah. I need to grow. I need to spread. Mm-hmm. I need to grow and spread. And that's cancer. That's what cancer is. Mm -hmm. 
And so that's man, that's that's wild. And even he was talking about even if you modify the cell, so like you're guaranteeing it's going to become a tumor by modifying the genes. As long as you don't allow the gap junctions to close, it will never, it won't turn into cancer. Or even if once it's cancer, if you turn those gap junctions, goes away, it'll go back. Because then all of a sudden it's not its own agent. It doesn't have its own goals. Yeah. You're part of the system now. The collective. You're part of the hive. Part of the hive of the beehive. That's right. Man, it's, right. it's heavy stuff, but I like it, dude. I'm I'm glad someone is doing it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm glad someone is doing it at this level, at this cellular level, the, with a different approach. If you had sort of a conspiratorial bent, you might say, "Well, something's going to happen to this guy. He's going to get shut down, bought out." I hope not, but yeah. that's usually what happens. Right. Yeah. I'm becoming, dude, I'm becoming this guy who, and I finally realized that I'm always hoping f- to see the best in people and I always get the worst. <laughs> That's dark, man. I thought you were going to go a more I, uplifting. No, it's just, <laughs> it's like, just the way it is. Hope for the like, best, plan for the worst. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. So I'm always hoping for the best, you know, and I hope for the, to see that I see the best in people. And this is great, but we always get the worst. Yeah. So I'm like, like, eh, I really hope it happens. So. Yeah, me but, too. I mean, I, I for the greater good for the greater good of humanity. I've grown much more pessimistic as well. Like I, I think I think scientists, uh, news organizations, they like to take advantage of people's like desperation to live longer and healthier lives. So they've been having headlines about the next breakthrough thing that's going to make you live forever for the last 40 years. You know, I I don't really have much optimism for that anymore. I just, I'm almost more interested now in the science of it and how the science seems to be going in a direction that he's on it. Yeah, maybe 10 years it. ago, people would have dismissed as like, oh, yeah. Ooh. This? Yeah. like, Ooh, you bioelectricity and sound and light. Published. Yeah. No funding. But yeah, he's 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 right on it. And his team as well. They they have a company, you know? Yeah. Morpho Morphoceuticals. That's right. What a great name. I'd say we gotta figure out how to invest in that, but if they get closed <laughs> if they get closed down, we could lose all our money. Yeah. Well that's not that's not a bad idea. I, I think they're going somewhere. Yeah, what I think a so. Huge thing will be forward. At least for you know, the population with cancer, which is everywhere. Even though you threw me some statistics last time, like for the cardiovascular yeah, and diabetes and cancer, we still, what, what was the percentage? Well, if we cured heart disease and all yeah. cancers, yes, average human lifespan would only go up seven years. Hey, but sometimes you only need seven, seven hours. Yeah, but... That's pretty wild, man. Like, <laughs> can't, like curing cancer and heart disease is like one of the major Western endeavors, you know, not, not yeah. just Western world endeavors. Yes. And it's, it's crazy how little it modifies lifespan. I mean, that that's a statistical prediction, but it, uh, it does make you think about, you know, what you talk about all the time, like that. And, and I think the science supports is that aging is, absolutely a, pr- a programmed process it's baked into 
our cells. It doesn't happen because our body's working super hard to fight against it, but we just don't have the ability. Like we, like that, like it's physically impossible. Yeah, it's to that, live longer. It's like is, no, we that gene is turned off. It's uh, yeah, yeah, and it's like we can't find aging. So it's even more complex than that. Is oh, not only he turned it off, but he hid it somewhere. Exactly, threw away the key, man. <laughs> it's right. uh it's what it's wild dude. it's a curse it's a curse it's our destiny it's software i think that's the right analogy it is software it is good, software good call good call it is software because we do have the hardware to live forever we yes feel that way yep oh another great computer analogy how right. should we bring this thing home man what do you want to talk about next time um what we what you mentioned anunnaki enoch i i do too take a deep dive we need someone who knows this stuff. I found one guy I'm going to reach out to, see if he'll let us interview okay. him. But, but uh, yeah, I, I found a guy who thinks like um, he's kind of anti-Anunnaki, you know? Like he's a he's a biblical guy, so he like uh, oh those are the best. But he's not he's not just in denial of its existence. Like some people are like, oh, that's not there's no such thing as the Sumer civilization and Anunnaki like that's just made up like he acknowledges like yes it, it's a thing it's old but basically he takes a viewpoint of uh they're the the deceivers you know they're the fallen angels which I is kind of you know it's fun it's fun to to listen to that so I kind of agree with that a little bit yeah so they're, they're they're the deceivers they're the fallen angels so you know they were written about as gods, they took credit for the flood. They took credit for creation, but it wasn't yes. them. It's because all those, remember the story about how two or one third of the angels came down. As yep. Well? It's because they actually fell. Sorry for humans. Yeah. And so they didn't want to have part with God. And then, so they came down, they were casted. Actually, it's weird because to help humans it's weird because that's in the anunnaki that's in the sumer text as well that some of the anunnaki felt bad for humans and came down but so there's enlil and enki um enki is like the prince of the earth you know he feels bad for the humans he gives them knowledge he he's like he's the he's the lucifer like analog i guess correct prometheus Uh but enlil Enlil is the king of the heavens and they have a father. So so the part of me comes back to like, man, is the Bible just a newer, watered down, rewritten version and aliens made us, man? Like, I don't know. That's, that's a tough pill to swallow. Dude. Um, another crazy thing and this, this can make someone believe more or less in the Anunnaki depending on how much you trust NASA, which I'm guessing a lot of alternative folks do not. They're kind of like, they're kind of like the great state. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, they well, actually they, they're, they're, I don't know. There is a guy, a group at Caltech, I think and JPL who have pretty compelling evidence for there being another planet in our solar system. Oh, binary system you were saying? Well, no, I don't. Was it in the star? Yeah, yeah. So it's it, so it, I don't not binary, um, just the one star, but it's oh. a it's a planet on an extreme elliptical orbit. 
meaning meaning it it it's we can't see it. It's super far away. But every X number of years, it comes in close to us, and that's exactly what the texts, the Sumer texts, say: is that the Anunnaki live on Nibiru, and every you know six thousand years or so, their planet comes into our solar system, and they they come check on us. Come and check on us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we are we are ready. Yeah, man, I'm re- I'm ready for an update. We're not going to be around forever. Yeah, I- exactly. I want to see some action. I want to see what's <laughs> what's next. You know, exactly. Like, I think everyone else is feeling the same way. Isn't there like a sense in the air, man? Like everyone's just on their own eggshells, dude. I I don't I don't really like this like a apocalyptic. Uh, everyone seems to just be waiting for the apocalypse, man. Like whether you're an atheist or Christian, a Buddhist, like everyone's waiting, like it's, it's time. It's like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> you know, Like that doesn't seem like it's a healthy, we, we lost our way. That's the thing. People are getting tired. Do you think that there's just a sense of that? Like we've just lost oh, our way. Society's crumbling. Oh, so absolutely. Therefore, especially here. Yeah. Yeah. You go to Europe. It's a different story. Oh really? France, even France, even though France is a little bit France is going to hell right now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, but you know, everyone else is like they see us and they like, oh, you guys are Babylon. You're lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they secretly envy us, but they're happy that we're messed up. And that's and I'm gonna say it. And that's the main goal of the globalists to to basically get rid of us. As, as a as a nation, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you know. So yeah, they're trying to dismantle just like they did Rome from the inside out, and so that's why everyone is tired. Like this morning, I was just real quick to wrap it up. This morning, I was right at 7 a.m. Right, because I did cycling this like in Orange County this morning. Nice. nice, but people like driving nuts. So, I mean, how can you be so stupid so early? <laughs> It's the best time to be stupid. <laughs> you're mad. You're going to work. Or At not today. 6.30 a.m. Yeah. On a Saturday yeah, morning? Yeah. Like, you lost your mind. Like, oh, my God. You know. People are just on the edge, man. Dude, everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, everywhere at any time. I'm constantly, like, trying to, like, reflect. Like, is this just my perception or is, has it always oh, been this way? I think it's, it, it's something's like up. Great philosopher said, Phil Collins, I can feel it. Right. I was waiting for you to keep going. Oh Lord. All right. Time to wrap it up. All right. <laughs> let's let's shut All it right. down. All right. It's All late. Right. It's one AM. So uh, it is one AM. Jesus. Always so always an honor and a privilege. Always an honor. Let's let's do it in a couple of days. Deal. This week it's gonna be nice. That means we'll do it in a few weeks, everybody. All right. Take care. No. (laughs) All right, man. Have a good night. I'm going to start reading some Sumer texts later. Me too. Me too.